Good morning, everyone. Sorry I can't be there in person, but I've had a COVID test after having had a sore throat and a bit of a cough. And so until those results come back, I'm still in isolation. But hopefully you had a great morning, even though you couldn't sing. And I still have a message to bring to you today to introduce our, our new series called Why Pray. So let's get into it. Why Pray is an actually deep question one that I don't want to give glib answers to, and one that I don't want to reduce to a series of formulaic platitudes. It's an interesting and important question on a number of levels. For instance, how does that question relate to us as individuals, and how does it relate to us as a church community? Because we can often cite how to pray. Matthew 6, 5 and 7 tells us how not to pray, as well as how to pray. We know what to pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, tell God what you need and thank him. For all he has done. We know when to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says never stop praying. Fairly clear. But the question why pray can be answered from a number of different perspectives. The most common is because we're instructed to in the Bible. James 5.16 says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Other reasons? Because Jesus prayed. After all, we're Jesus' followers, so we do what Jesus does. Because it's a good discipline to have. Those of you who love discipline often use that argument. Because it yields results. Because it brings us closer to God. Because it builds faith. And because it comforts people. Now, all of these are true. But do these answers address the core of why a prayer life is important? In fact, I'd phrase it slightly differently. Do these answers address the core of why our prayer life is really important, yet most of us are pretty bad at it? Which brings up another bunch of questions on a more practical level relating to our own experience and understanding of prayer. I often hear questions like, why does prayer seem such hard work? Why doesn't God speak to me? Why aren't my prayers being answered? Why should I go to a church prayer meeting? I get that a lot. How long should I pray? And the list goes on. You see, as I thought about bringing this message this morning, and by the way, this is really just an introduction to the series, which will be three or four weeks when I decide exactly how long it will be, I actually began to consider the impact that this could have on people. Now, as a preacher, I have a somewhat unrealistic expectation that the messages I preach have a profound and long-lasting impact on people's relationship with Jesus and that people's characters are built and their spiritual lives blossom all from a constant exposure to the Word of God from the pulpit on Sunday. Now, from the feedback I get on Sunday, and from 20-odd years of observing behavioural patterns, I've come to realise that this may not be the case. So, as I speak to you this morning, I ask myself, why do I preach? Why pray? What outcome am I realistically hoping for? Now, these aren't comfortable questions to ask, and they're, they're not comfortable questions to answer. Some of you are already thinking, here he goes again. He's trying to change my behaviour. Doesn't he know that my life is way too busy at the moment? I don't have time to change anything. I don't have the energy to change anything. And if he asks me to come to a Wednesday night prayer meeting one more time, I'm going to scream. However, there are others of you, hopefully, who are thinking, wow, Perhaps I'll discover something new today, which will shift me enough just to bring something refreshing to my faith walk with Jesus. Now, obviously, my desire is to move people from the first camp into the second camp and then take us all even further, hopefully with an emphasis on God's agenda 
rather than anything I might have in mind. So before I spend the next couple of weeks diving into the nitty-gritty of biblical prayer and the importance and impact in our lives, how do we learn to look at prayer through fresh eyes? How do we perhaps remove some of our really tightly held preconceptions about prayer to enable us to take a journey to a different conclusion to the one that dominates our thinking today? Having said that, if you think your prayer life is hunky-dory, needs no tweaking, needs no improvements, then ignore all I just said. But I think before we can take practical action about praying, we need to have a holistic view of how prayer fits into God's universe. Perhaps a more relational view of prayer rather than the task-orientated one, which is a common and limiting view of our prayer life. So to inspire a more interconnected view of prayer in the Christian life, I thought I would turn to the world of subatomic physics for a slightly left-field interpretation. Now, it might seem a bit strange, but bear with me. Who has heard of the term quantum entanglement? I'm sure some of you have, and there may be even fewer of you who actually know what it means. I'd just like to point out that I'm not one of those few, but I read an interesting explanation on the phenomena in layman's terms, which sparked my interest in terms of our relationship with God and especially with our communication with God. Now, just as a quick explanation, quantum entanglement refers to a situation where two subatomic particles are connected or entangled, such that a change of state in one results in the change in state of the other. Now, that doesn't seem particularly strange, but there are three things about this entanglement that are actually mind-blowing. The first is that the entangled particles don't have to be close together. They don't have to be in the same atom. They don't have to be in the same molecule. They don't have to be in the same space. They don't even have to be in the same room. They can actually be on opposite sides of the galaxy. And yet this entanglement process ensures an instantaneous effect when one of those particles is changed. The other really weird thing is that all possible states of the particles coexist at the same time. Now, I know some of your heads are reeling and you're saying, well, that's just mumbo-jumbo. I don't understand any of it. And I agree. But apparently scientists have tested this idea and have been able to observe this effect, which conjures up all these ideas of faster-than-light travel and the idea of multiple universes. And to explain the physics of it is way beyond me. But it actually got me thinking about our relationship with God. Because if we've got these subatomic particles that can have a relationship which is so close, so intertwined, so connected that even over galactic distances, a change in one will elicit an immediate response in another. It just thought that that is the sort of relationship that God wants to have with us. When we make a decision to follow Jesus, I believe that this idea of quantum entanglement is an intriguing picture that describes the sort of relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. It's a relationship that involves an instant connection, no matter what the physical distance, rather than worrying about whether God is a distant God or a, a present God, we can be encouraged by the idea that he wants to be so entangled with our lives that the connection is not only constant and present, but updating all the time. In there, there's also this idea that there are a lot of future possibilities that exist that we can influence by prayer. In James, we read, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. And if we look at the future as a bunch of possibilities 
that we can influence through a communication system with God that we call prayer, then perhaps our attitude towards prayer would be different. Now, this is not a theological argument. They come next week. This is an attempt to get us all to think differently about something that we can be better at, something that we can change our lives with, and something that we can use to impact not only our future, but the future of others. So let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to new ways to connect with you. Let this moment not pass as a, just another message. Let it be a catalyst for change in all our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now next week, we're going to look at how, the, how this prayer thing got started. After all, if you read your Bible, you'll discover that Adam and Eve didn't pray. So somewhere along the way, we developed this system of prayer. And so we'll look at why it's so important, and hopefully I'll be able to see you in person to do just that. So see you then.